It's time for The Bright Side, a coaching radio show for changemakers, the organizations and positive leaders creating positive change in the world while simultaneously caring for their people. The Bright Side is sponsored by P-Link Leadership. P-Link Leadership believes in a world where positive leadership is the norm and individuals and the organizations they power are a force for positive change. And now as your host, Alexis Robin, co-founder of P-Link Leadership, I'm here to bring you your 10 minutes of insight, theory, and actionable tips to support you on your journey to becoming the best version of yourself. All right, good morning and welcome to The Bright Side. This is Alexis Robin from P-Link Leadership, and today we are talking with Jay Malone from New Haircut. He is uh, an expert in design thinking, and um, we are going to talk about the intersection of design thinking and Brene Brown's new work in her book, Dare to Lead, which is about creating uh, brave leaders, encourage cultures inside organizations. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thanks, Alexis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. And um, can you start by just telling us a little bit about um, what your firm does? Like, what is this design thinking? So our listeners mm-hmm. know what we're talking about. Does, uh, right. So the New Haircut is a recovering design and development studio. And now we use design thinking as a way to help companies that are approaching topics like big topics like innovation or trying to answer the question of what's next. And so design thinking is attractive to them because it allows them to bring a group of people together that all have different experience around a problem that they're trying to solve and talk about it in an effective structured manner so that they can build some empathy around why the users that they're trying to solve these problems for, why they experience those problems. What are they doing today to solve those problems and what would it look like to solve those problems in a different way? So the solutions are the things that lead to the innovation and the products and services that these teams and organizations create. So it sounds like if I was to recap in a nutshell, it's really about um, identifying a customer pain point or a challenge op- opportunity and then bringing together multiple minds to understand um, where the customer is coming from, create empathy, and then using your system of design thinking, which I've seen on your website has lots of posters and sticky notes, which is mm-hmm. something that at P-Link we love um, making thinking visible. Um, and in order to come up with a, with a solid resolution and a good innovation for a company. That's right. And a lot of it gives the context and, or builds the context because you're creating these prototypes that you put in front of these people to say, is this, is this something that would be interested? Or you really kind of generate that experience for them so that they could immerse in that and tell you, I like it this way. This is, this is not how I solve it today, but this is pretty interesting. Or this is not interesting to me at all in which case you might kill that idea or go in a different direction altogether. And killing bad ideas is almost more important than continuing on with interesting ideas. Absolutely. We always like to say fail fast, fail often, right? So it's like if you're trying something and it's not working, like end it early, right? Don't, don't ignore the signs and keep dragging it out and spending resources there. So for sure. Yep. Great. So, and I feel like we talk about something called adaptive challenges, which are challenges that have never been solved for before. And I think design thinking lends itself really well to solving adaptive challenges because you are um, bringing many different ideas and minds into the room. And these adaptive challenges really take multiple heads and multiple bodies of expertise in order to solve them. Like you, mm. you don't solve an adaptive challenge with one really smart person. It has to be a collective, lots of different ideas and insights um, from all angles. Um, 
So that's great. So where do you see the intersection? Like what, have, what are your experiences that brought you to, to first pick up the book, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown and, um, and to think about the, the intersection between design thinking and this whole idea of creating brave leaders, encourage cultures and um, inside organizations? Yeah. So um, when companies call to work with us, a lot of the time they're all the way down the road thinking about all the exciting things that they're going to, they're going to do, they're going to create. And they get really enamored with, with the tools and the methods. And then we get into the room and they're still excited about the tools, but they become disappointed at the outcomes. And the outcomes are these sort of safe solutions that they come up with. These things that maybe they've already been talking about for months and years and they just use this new form to take those ideas forward. So they're um, not being really courageous and putting themselves out there with new ideas. It's kind of the, they're the watered down version of a new idea, if you will, or an innovation. That's right. That's right. And so um, even a couple of years ago, the first pinprick hit me when somebody grabbed me and said, you know, this has been really interesting. We've learned so much. It was fun to work with you, but I feel like all of these, I feel like we're not getting the group to really kind of be creative. And the word creative kind of masked this, the real word that they were using was courageous. Mm. So in my world of digital, it's easy to use the word creative. Um, but, and, and so I just said, oh, well, maybe I didn't have the right people in the room. Maybe um, we weren't tackling a really important problem. So they just weren't committed to it. Right. But the more and more I did this and the more and more I saw this reaction from the group and, and saw that they were a little deflated with what, what came out of it. The more I dug into it, the more I understood that there was fear kind of locking up the creativity in the room and fear in the way that um, there wasn't permission for them to fail. There mm. were these really big expectations that because seven or 10 people flew into whatever city and spent a week on one particular thing that they were expected to really kind of hit it out of the park. Right. Right. And that is, um, and that fear, I think, gets in the way. We see that in our coaching often. It can get in the way of individual performance. It can get in the way of team performance and, and certainly cross-functional if you feel like you don't have the jurisdiction to speak up and say something or even to shoot down an idea that you don't think is going to work or doesn't have legs. Um, so, so Brene's work, just for the listeners to kind of bring them up to speed, um, she's created a new book. It's called Dare to Lead, and it is a... Um, a collection basically of all of her previous work. Uh, she was a social scientist. You've heard me talk about her uh, probably a hundred times on the show. Um, but she basically took all of her work on vulnerability and courage and shame. And she put it together through the lens of leadership. And she worked with some, um, some universities and some research teams and has really distilled down this great new two day program dare to lead that, um, builds courage practices and it's the um the first full day is on being vulnerable and being willing to take risks and the and the way she describes vulnerability is um risk uncertainty or emotional exposure and so um so when you think about trying to be creative in a group setting or trying to you know put something out a new idea for a company or design a new innovation um if you're feeling afraid if you're feeling like you can't put yourself out there or you're not allowed to fail to your point jay then um then that can really get in the way of, um, of being able to come up with a good final product. 
right? You, and, yeah. and oftentimes when the outcome isn't great, you know, kind of look back and say, well, what was, um, what was missing in that? And so have you ever seen, what, where have you seen this at play? Like, do you have any stories or have you seen anything at play in your, with your clients? Of it working well or of it kind of falling on its face? Uh, well, let's start with falling on its face because we always like to end with the positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we worked with a, we've worked with a couple groups where they were, there were these really kind of thorny problems. And so design thinking becomes interesting because you can, the speed that design thinking and some of the, some really practical tools like a design sprint lets you bring speed into the process. Mm-hmm. So that became exciting to them. But um, what I saw happen in the process was that power dynamics kind of took over. So really even simple things like a director level person kind of even just physically taking a marker out of a designer's hands and saying, no, 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 like this. So all the typical kind of power plays that they're used to doing outside of this, this kind of this nest where it's supposed to be safe to be creative and innovate together you see those, that struggle start to take shape and then that person withdraws. And so what I always tell people is I, I, there's this, um, Cantor has this four player model that I always refer to, which is every engagement that has more than two people have a mover, a follower, an opposer and a bystander. And so as a quick story, the mover says, let's go to the movies. The follower says, that's a great idea. Let's go. The opposer says, that's a stupid idea. We just went yesterday. And the bystander says that the bystander's there to co- sort of connect the dots. And they're the actual, they're the, they're the bridge that actually makes the conversation move forward. So they might say, we did go to the movies yesterday, but no one really enjoyed it. Maybe we can give it another shot. So my job is to facilitate that conversation, but without the psychological safety there, my job is really hard. The trust isn't really there for the team to, to, kind of create that space together. Right. So, um, so when the trust is missing, the, the outcomes are not as good. And so how do you see, like when you, when you read the book, what stood out for you? Like what were some of the things that as you were reading, you went like, Whoa, this is, this would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, just hearing, to be honest, just the words that Brene used, those words are in my sphere all the time. So listening to her talking about framing a problem and really understanding why it's important to the team, why it's important to the organization, as well as why it's important to the people that you're solving for. Um, And she talks, uh, what I loved, I love all of her quotes. She's a master of quotes, but she used a quote by Marcus Aurelius is what stands in the way is the way. Mm. And that is really powerful for me because most of these companies want to leapfrog the hard work. And the hard work is the courage. Once you have the courage in place, coming together and doing a recipe of steps inside of a design thinking framework, pretty easy. But you right. just have to be brave enough to come together and decide this is what we want to commit to. Right. So, um, so do you see this as something that people would do before they do design thinking, after they do it, in the middle of it? What, how do you see it working? Yeah. People ask that same question about design thinking. They say, do we do it here, here, or here? And I say, it's design thinking is a learning process. So if you're not learning while you're creating the entire time, then you're missing out on the things that you should be taking into every next iteration of your product or service. 
So I think the answer is the same for this. I think certainly up front to build that psychological safety, maybe you can't do, maybe you can't create an entire um, atmosphere of safety in, in one day or two days, but you can start the process. Right. And then all the way through and kind of encouraging it and reinforcing it in the sessions, after the sessions and so on. Right. That's, um, and that was one thing I took from the book as well, um, is that she talks about how it can be a great kind of um, work at the basement stage, right? Whereas a foundation for your organization, like let's just set this up that we're um, not afraid to be courageous and that we can use this as a foundational piece, but also it can be used as an accelerant. So let's mm. say that you're doing pretty well at it already and, um, and, but you want to accelerate, you want to boost that, you want to do even better. And so, um, so I love how she talks about that. Um, we're mm. super excited at P-Link because um, our coaches are all certified to deliver Dare to Lead. And so we can't wait. We've been kind of um, using the other work before and translating it into LOD language, learning and organizational development language and, um, and using it in our coaching. But now like to have an actual curriculum around it that's specific and research-based, um, everybody's really excited about. So, um, so I think it's, it's really neat to see how it's crossing over into innovation and, and design thinking and, and where we're going for the future. Um, what was something personal for you that, um, that you took out of the book for yourself? Like, what, was there anything that you read that you thought like, wow, um, I need to practice this or this is, this is pretty poignant for me? Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. And what I liked about Dare to Lead is uh, I love all of Brene's books, but I think this is the first time that I took notes in the sense of I need to do this work. So mm -hmm. she even gave little steps, like little exercises that I could totally see, as you mentioned, foundational stuff being upfront. So if I do a two-day training workshop to teach design sprints, spending a half hour to just with post-its talk about the things that are holding people back, the conversation, the tough conversations that they need to have that they're not having, um, right. you know, things that things that scare them altogether. There were just like really simple things that you think for me um, personally, that work gets hard because uh, I worry that, that people hired me to teach them a process. And instead up front, I'm teaching them to just have some patience be open-minded to each other, be curious about each other. And they're like, wait, when are we going to do the design sprint part? Right. Um, so for me that the struggle is to have the confidence to say, this is, this is the hard work up, you know, up here. Right. We'll get to the, we'll get to the process. Just bear with me here because if we do this piece here, it's going to open up some of the creativity down the road. Right. And that's really, it sounds like that's your courage practice is putting mm -hmm. yourself out there and, and saying, hey, hey, slow down. We're going to do this because it'd be really easy to jump into where you're the expert and what you know. And so taking that. Right. Um, well, one of the things I love about um, her suggested work is this idea of writing permission slips. And so this is going to be our tip to the audience today, something we can give you guys to take with you. But is um, before you start something, when you're feeling vulnerable, when you're feeling nervous, um, is to write yourself a permission slip. And it just goes like, I give myself permission to what? And some of my permission slips have said to show up authentically, to speak my truth, to, um, 
to listen first before answering. I mean, all kinds of different things. But today, Jay and I were talking before we started recording. We said, well, you know, what do we, we want to do for this call? And we gave ourselves permissions to be organic and to have fun and to just have a conversation about this. And so we hope you've enjoyed that. And, uh, and we hope you've learned a little bit about design thinking and how that blends with um, the need for courage building practices and, and being open and, um, and, vulnerable and courageous in your, um, in your process of innovation. Um, but before we go, is there anything else that you would want to add or any other kind of tidbits that, um, that are on your mind before we go? Yeah. To build upon the permission slip, I really like her, uh, SFDs and I use it all the time. Um, because I write, I, a lot of the time I write to think, and I create a lot of the content that goes into the workshops that I teach. Um, and that's really important to just get the, get the rough stuff out of the way. Um, right. Get it out on paper, share it, give yourself permission to fail and then step back and the next draft will certainly be better. And then even more so to share that draft with other people and say, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's got me stuck right now. Yeah, help me. Give me some feedback. That's great. So SFD, so this is a non-explicit show, so we'll give you the stormy first draft, but you can uh, come up with your other S word for uh, for the SFD or read it in the book. But um, but yeah, SFDs are awesome. We use it all the time in our organization, and that's one of our go-tos. Hey, I just did my SFD of this thought paper. Take a look. Give me your feedback. Um, so great, great shout out. So Jay Malone with New Haircut. You can check him out online, newhaircut.com. Is that right? That's right. Yep. And then um, also plinkleadership.com. We're always here for you. Um, appreciate having you as our listeners and um, look forward to any comments you have uh, or any feedback on our show and uh, wish you a great week. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you, Alexis. Bye.